0: amen what a mighty name it is amen so grateful to serve a living real powerful god name above all names that's our lord jesus christ amen let's go to him now in prayer before we open the word Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we deem it such a grand privilege to be gathered together once again with your people. Lord, not only with your people, Lord, but knowing that you promised to be here in the midst of us, Lord, that is the greatest honor we have, Lord. Lord, to come into your presence lord lord to feed on the on the word of god lord to be lifted up by your presence lord to be healed in your presence delivered in your presence lord your presence lord god is what we long for lord i'm asking that you will move now and speak to hearts lord that you'll anoint me lord god that we'll say these things exactly the way that you gave them father that you'll just help me through this lord god to move myself out of the way And allow, Lord God, your people to be fed. Lord, that's the desire of my heart, that you now, Lord, will speak, Father. We ask these things in your precious name, Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, I'd ask you to turn with me over to the book of Proverbs, the 24th chapter. While you're turning there, just tell you a little something funny that happened to me while I was preaching at Brother Danny's on on Sunday we were preaching along and then I got into preaching about Gideon and what makes this really embarrassing is it's not the first time I've done this I did it to the young people one time and I was preaching about Gideon and I got ready to make a point and I told the whole congregation to turn to Gideon 7 <laughs> and uh, and about, and about that you should have seen them man there were so many of them Brother Danny said, that was the funniest part, was watching people who have been reading the Bible for 40 years try to find the book of Gideon. <laughs> and, uh, and after I said it about the third time, I hear Brother Danny go, Judges. <laughs> what? He said, Judges. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> but uh, we are gonna read from the book of Proverbs tonight. And that is a real book in the Bible. Turn to the book of Proverbs, the 24th chapter, in the 30th verse. I'd like to take a little thought tonight, maybe a little different. Um, broken walls and the hunger of nature. Broken walls and the hunger of nature. In the 30th verse, it says, I went by the field of the slothful and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding. And lo, it was all grown over with thorns and nettles, and thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. If you'll also turn over with me to Galatians, the fifth chapter, and the 22nd verse. Galatians, the fifth chapter, and the 22nd verse. Verse says but the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness and faith meekness temperance against such there is no law and they that are christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit Amen. amen may god add his blessings as you have your seats I mean, I believe that each and every one of us tonight and in every service and in every day are being called to further our walk from wherever it is that we find ourselves. We are never all on the exact same spot or in the exact same place in our spiritual walk, but I believe that God is always calling us to take another step. The moment that we're not walking and the moment that we're standing still is when our, our relationship or our experience, as it were, becomes stagnant. So he's calling us tonight to take another step and to to go to greater depths and for each one of us to to reach higher heights and as i was studying this and looking on this thought i know that within every congregation you have people at every single level you have some that have never even accepted salvation you have some that are justified and sanctified and then those that are filled with the holy ghost and everywhere in between those sit underneath the roof of every single congregation but as i studied this thought out I wasn't studying it from the standpoint of someone that was lost, but from the standpoint of someone who is doing everything that they can to walk with the Lord, Um, walking with God, uh, uh, doing their best to push on and take that step that I believe God is calling us to. And I was looking at through the standpoint of you are God's people and you have been called to be fruitful. Every single Christian is called to be fruitful, to bear fruits of the Spirit. Now, I was, I was looking at it thinking that we, above all people in the earth, should be a group of people bearing forth the fruits of the Spirit. Right, if anyone should be bearing forth fruits in this day, in this age, it should be the people and the followers of this message that, that have a revealed word, that light has shown in this day on the word. And when we have a full where we're not looking at it through a glass darkly as it were, but we can look at it with revelation, we can look at it in truth, and, and if we can see that, we ought to be a people that can bear fruits in this day. So when I got to that, I asked myself, and I ask you this for you personally, what hindereth? What hindereth? If we're supposed to be bearing all these fruits, what hindereth? What is it stopping you? What is it hindering me? Why don't I have a greater harvest than that which I have? What is it that hinders us? And Brother Branham says here in a quote, he says, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. In the balcony, is somebody up in the balcony that would say, Brother Branham, I once had the victory. I once was a godly person, but somehow or another, the weeds and the thorns and the things has choked me down. The weeds and the thorns and things has choked me down. What happened to this person? Why is it that they can look and say, I once had the victory? This isn't someone who wasn't walking with God. This isn't someone who wasn't serving the Lord. This is someone who lived for a period of time and, and, and had the, the testimony that I had the victory. I walked above sin. I walked above. I had the victory that I needed, but, the, but thorns and things has choked me down. I once was a godly person now notice what it is that brother Brown, when he's speaking these these people that he says has stolen away the victory He says what is it that has choked the life out of this person weeds and thorns and things has choked me down Weeds and thorns and things has choked me down now Christians are, are called and instructed to be a fruit bearing people We are instructed and called to be a fruit-bearing church, not a church that's living off past traditions, not a church that's living off past moves or a church that's living out of a past glory, but one that is bringing forth the same fruits as the original church, one that is bringing forth the exact same harvest as the original church because it is of the same vine. And so the fruits that we're bringing forth should match the fruits that we see there in the book of Acts in the very first church age. I know sometimes it's hard for us to look at it like this, but in the first church age, every church was a message church. Every church in the first age was a believing church. So we should match up with that when we look at it and bring forth the same fruits. We are called to have fruit bearing, fruitful homes. Our homes should be those that bear fruit, where the atmosphere is right for spiritual growth in the family, where evils are kept out and the token is applied and children are nurtured, and not a place where they are exposed to all the evils of the world. I've often wondered what good it does us to homeschool our kids in order to keep them from an evil influence and then just bring the influence right into our house. You might as well have just sent them to school. You might as well just send them off to the wolves. You're bringing it right in your home. You're going, I'm trying to protect them. I'm trying to protect them. But here, I don't got time for you. Go watch this. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I'll tolerate that. What good is it? What have you really done if you're doing that? You're cutting off the harvest, you're killing the fruits, you're making your home an unfruitful home. You're you're making it to where the, the, the kids have to literally fight uphill to get where it is that you want them to go or where we hope to see them get. You're putting them off in a bad situation because the, th- the place that they're supposed to be protected, the place that they're supposed to be nourished, the place, the atmosphere where the Holy Spirit is supposed to be able to deal with them, you've got them living in a worldly atmosphere in a so-called Christian home. But it's a home that's called to be fruitful where the atmosphere is right for spiritual growth. Spiritual church It's built on spiritual families. Which is then built by spiritual leaders, yeah. Amen. spiritual individuals that take charge and recognize the buck stops with me. Yeah. I tell my, my children all the time, you don't understand. One day daddy is going to answer for what goes on in this house. One day daddy is going to answer. It may make you mad right now. It may make you upset right now. You may not like this decision, but that's okay because you're not going to answer to God for it. I am. Fruitful individuals fruitful homes make fruitful churches We're not to be bearing our own fruits We're not to be living how we see fit People like to say things like well, it's my life. No, it's actually not your life It's his life lent to you for his purpose And it is not your life that life was given to you by almighty god And he expects it surrendered back to him to be used according to how he sees fit We are not to be people conforming uh, to the world and producing fruits of the world, but living a life led of the Spirit, led of the Spirit of God, producing the fruits of the Spirit. In Galatians, we read there where it said the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which means patience, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, which means self-control. I doubt there's a person here that would raise their hand and say I've maxed them all out. <laughs> Let me go ahead and tell you right now I can pick out several that I'm like struggle. I ain't got much patience. And if you pray for it, woo, you're asking for it. And I don't mean patience. <laughs> all of us could grow all of us can see our harvest increased all of us can see a a greater harvest and a greater yield the bible talks about some fell on good ground and yielded 30 and some 60 and some 100 fold we all could increase our harvest and grow more a life surrendered to christ will bear forth these fruits And not only will they, let me tell you, it is expected of you that it will. God expects you to bring forth fruits. This isn't an optional thing. This isn't something we just chalk up to personality. Well, she's a meek sister. I'm not. Well, my family just don't have patience. God's not going to listen to that excuse that day. He's saying, I expected you to bring forth my fruits. I put you there as a testimony. I put you there as a witness. I put you there to show people what my spirit living through human flesh would do. And what is your excuse for not manifesting those fruits? We can't just chalk it up to personality. Too many times we chalk it up, our shortcomings to our fleshly nature. And when surely this does play a role, but that flesh, although it will always war with you and although it will be a thorn in your side, that flesh was never meant to control you. That flesh is not meant to control you. Yes, I realize it's unconverted and we'll deal with that as we go along. But that unconverted converted flesh is meant for the spirit in you to grab a hold of and bring it into subjection. And you are to rule over that flesh. Yes. That flesh is not to rule over you. It is not to be your crutch. It is not to be your excuse. Well, I just can't help it. This flesh is unconverted. Then what good is the Holy Ghost? Amen. What good is the Holy Ghost if every time we trip and fall, we're just going to blame the flesh and we're going to blame the flesh. And I'm just not strong enough. I know you're not strong enough. That's why he sent the Holy Spirit. That's why you got to be born again. That's why you got to have the token in this day. And it will overcome your flesh. Galatians 5, 24. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh. A life with the Holy Ghost on the throne will have battles as much as the next man. You as a Holy Ghost-filled believer is going to have battles just like the rank sinner down the street. It's not going to make it to where you you are immune from having battles. But the life of the Holy Ghost Christian will bear out victory. The life of a Holy Ghost Christian will walk after the Spirit and not after the flesh. And the fruits of the Spirit will be evident. It will be an evident thing. Sure, all lives have seasons. I recognize that you can't just live in harvest time where it's just constant and constant and constant. Brother Joe preached wonderfully not too long ago on on the mountains and the valleys and the experience. And where sometimes you're in a growing season. Sometimes you're in a harvest season. We all have mountains and we all have valleys. And therefore, we'll have times where the harvest is great and other times where maybe it's a struggle. But even in the struggle, you will overcome. Even in the struggle, you will produce the the, the fruits of the Spirit. Maybe not as much as at other times. Maybe you're in a a struggle. Maybe you're in a valley. But even when you're not in so-called fruit-growing season, you must make sure that the ground stays prepared. You got to make sure that the ground stays tilled up and ready to receive seed. Because if the ground is hard and you've let the thorns in and you let the other things in and the seed falls in, then it gets choked out. But you got to keep the ground tilled up. You got to keep it soft and ready. You got to keep the walls of your estate fortified. You got to keep them built up because the walls is what kept the wild beast and the wild animals out from eating up the crops. You got to keep the walls fortified. And you got to live in the condition to produce fruits, even if it's not fruit-growing season. So that when the Word comes forth, so that when the Spirit does move, you are ready to receive it. You are ready to produce. You are ready to have a harvest. In that moment, you got to live ready for your opportunity so many people the spirit moves and nothing happens and the spirit moves and nothing happens and why and it it happening why it it happening I, I thought i had something was the ground prepared was the ground tilled up were you looking to plant the garden that day or did it fall on stony ground did it fall on concrete ground because of the season of life that you were in to where your ground wasn't prepared Your life has to be prepared to take that seed and nurture that seed and allow it to manifest exactly what God intended for it to do when he sent it by your way. Because when he sent it by your way, he sent it by your way with an intended harvest. That was the purpose of it. He didn't do it. It's not meant to just be scattered out so he can say, well, I did it he did that and he sends it specifically by your way and he comes by evening like tabernacle service after service and the word goes forth and the seed goes forth and he's expecting a harvest to come forth from all the seed that has gone forth over the pulpit it's sown time after time and the spirit moves and the atmosphere is right so if it's not producing a harvest then there's something wrong with the ground That's not to say that those who would live in this condition, prepared for it, overcoming, filled with the Holy Ghost, it's not to say that you're never going to have issues. Not to say we don't acknowledge the fact that the flesh isn't converted. That's not to say that bringing forth good fruit won't be a struggle at times. That you're never going to have an argument with your spouse or never have a bad day at work. That you're never, ever, ever going to raise your voice at your children. It's never going to happen. nonsense too it's not saying that it's not saying that 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 you're even that you won't ever do a a single thing wrong brother brown's asked a question one time uh, can a holy ghost filled believer be pushed to do small things i'm paraphrasing wrong and he said absolutely he says as a matter of fact when you get the holy ghost now you're in a position for that attack to come now you're in the position for those things to be pushed upon you but then if people stop right there he follows that up and the next sentence he says is but greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world don't stop halfway and use it as your crutch for why you're sinning and why you can't stand and why you're failing well brother Branham said these things would happen but he also said you'd overcome those things yeah. You will do things wrong. You will have hiccups and stumbles here and there. Because nature is hungry and it wants to consume you. Nature is hungry and it wants to consume you. Beast nature is your enemy, you are not your friend. This flesh is unconverted, we acknowledge, and it will be a thorn in your side as long as you are here, and it will try to fill your life with thorns and thistles to choke out the fruits that the Spirit is supposed to bring forth. We know that originally Adam and Eve didn't have to deal with sin nature when they were first placed in the garden. That's not something he ever ever had to deal with. Ever had to worry about, but because of reasoning and because Eve stepped out from behind her wall of protection, which is the word, then mankind and all of earth fell into the condition that we now see. Genesis three seventeen says, And unto Adam he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree of which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake and sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life thorns also and thistles shall let bring forth to thee and thou shalt eat the herb of the field in the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground for out of it wast thou taken for dust thou art and dust thou shalt return earth is cursed before this time adam had no trouble finding food Adam never had to work a day in his life to grow food He didn't till by the sweat of his brow He didn't have any trouble bringing forth fruit as it were Bringing forth fruit was an easy thing In eden nature was not adam's enemy It had not been at war with him in the eden condition adam was in total control Brother Branham would lay out so beautiful things other people don't even realize And he'd say how do we know this because look at the second Adam Look at the way he would say peace be still look at the way he would command nature So we know that Adam was in total control the weeds didn't try to take over The life of the fruit bearing plant wasn't choked out by the life of the weeds Adam operating from this place called uh, called Eden was told in Genesis 128 to subdue the earth he was told to subdue the earth in other words eden was to stretch from sea to sea god said yes eden is in a wonderful condition yes this is a wonderful place but i'm commissioning you to expand eden i'm commissioning you to subdue the whole earth i want you to take more i want you to possess more i want you to make it all operate underneath your dominion not just Eden, but from sea to sea. I want you to go and I want you to subdue the earth. That was his commission. But instead, Adam falls. And now a constant struggle begins. Cursed is the ground. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth. Dust thou art, dust thou shalt return. And it's not just the earth out there that we call the earth that is cursed. Cursed. It's not just going to be difficult to grow fruit out here in a garden, but with the curse of nature and with the curse of earth, now this earth is cursed. Now, not only is this earth cursed, but now nature is against you. So, now not only is it going to be difficult to grow fruits and, and bring forth fruits out there, but it's going to be impossible to continually bring forth fruits here because the ground is cursed it's going to be something you work at it's going to be something you toil at it's going to be something you try to do but fail because it's all cursed nature is against you and now earth is calling for the very bodies that came forth out of it and it's calling for them to return to it earth is calling for it drawing it constantly pulling you back constantly pulling you down sickness old age pulling at you drawing gravity to where as time sets in you begin to stoop you begin to go down you begin to be drawn back to the earth that's which you were drawn from because nature always has a desire to reclaim what has been taken from it stay with me a little bit here nature always has a desire to reclaim what it is that has been taken from it you came from the earth and so now the earth wants you back Sin nature had a claim on mankind right there at at the fall, right there. Sin nature laid a claim. And if something has a claim, that means they want it. Sin nature laid a claim right here on man, right here on this earth. The earth became crowned in attributes of sin. There was wickedness. There was sickness. There was death and dying. And thorns and thickets became a symbol for the curse. How could one bring forth fruits in that condition how can you overcome the world in that condition how can you overcome the curse walking around in cursed earth it was impossible brother bradham say all was lost for adam's race he said there was no hope i'm so thankful that when he sent him out the garden he didn't just let him walk out the garden I'm so thankful that he couldn't take it. Brother Branham said he couldn't stand to see him go. He says, and then when I see Adam as it was standing there and Eve, the beautiful stature of her. And while she's standing there, these old bloody sheepskins and the blood running down her legs. Adam in his great fine stature of a man. The blood of these sheepskins running down him. And God standing there pronouncing death, sorrow, heartache and destruction. Watch Then I can see Eve put her lovely head over on Adam's shoulder and him put his arm around her. They started weeping, turned around and started to walk out of his presence. God, depart from him. He had sinned. There's your judgment. Then when I can hear going down along that path through the Garden of Eden something like this, Brother Branham claps. What is it? Bloody sheepskins slapping on Adam's leg as he goes down. Then I see all that great spaceless eternity come forming down like a funnel to four little letters L-O-V-E. He loved his children so much till he couldn't turn them away. Then I hear him say, stop. I'll put enmity between thy seed and the serpent's seed. Promising a redeemer. God making preparations to redeem Oh what a moment If I say there was one of the greatest moments in time That was one of the greatest moments in time Because once he made that preparation It was as good as already done He was already making preparations To come as the lamb He was already the lamb slain before the foundation Of the world now in time He promises it to his children I won't leave you in that condition I won't leave you without hope I won't leave you without a way back into eternity I won't leave you in this sin cursed world Making preparations for a way back. And there in that moment, what God gave was a substitute. There in the garden, he took the life of an innocent lamb and it covered their nakedness. And then the blood from that lamb covered their sin. But that blood didn't have the power to bring cursed earth subject once again. It didn't have that power to bring cursed earth subject It didn't have the power to subdue nature We see it at Mount Moriah Genesis 22 and 11 And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said Abraham Abraham and he said here am I And he said lay not thy hand upon the lad neither do thou anything unto him For now I know that thou fearest God seeing thou hast not withheld thy son Thine only son from me And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked and behold behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son What is it? It's a foreshadow of Christ But it was still a woolly lamb The life of that ram could not come back upon abraham The life of that lamb couldn't come back on him and give him the power to overcome sin nature no matter how many rams was slain it would never give him the power to overcome sin nature it couldn't give man the power to subdue his own flesh so year after year man would have to give another sacrifice and he would sacrifice but he'd walk out with the same sin desire he'd walk out with the same nature only to fall again and fall again and fall again he would come back and he would once again get his sin covered but it couldn't do away with his sin He would go out with the same nature that he came in with. Go out with the same sins that he came in with. I want you to notice there in the scripture, the ram was caught in a thicket. We're from the south. Most of us know what a thicket is. But a thicket is briars, thorns, brambles, and such. It's a thicket. And the ram is caught in the thicket by its horns what you're seeing there in that thicket is the curse from genesis 3 18. Right, right. that is the curse and you're seeing it there and the curse has the ram held by its horns notice that the the, the thicket is upon the ram's head showing that sin's curse would be upon jesus's head but there's a major difference between the two i want you to notice that the ram in this situation is trapped the ram has no power over the thicket this woolly lamb doesn't have strength over the thicket even though he's a sacrifice in this situation the thorns and the thicket still have power over the woolly lamb it's the thorns that have the power The curse here represented by the thicket is shown to still be in control of humanity. It's still in control. But that lamb was only a substitute. A substitute for what, you say? Behold. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He carries the sin away. When those thorns are put on his head, it doesn't trap him. The tables have turned. Now he takes the curse. He takes the thorns and he marches them up to Calvary. And he breaks sin curse off of your life. Oh, the thicket held the ram. But the thorns couldn't hold Jesus. He took those up there and he took them to Calvary. He carried away the sins of the world now it wasn't the lamb that's trapped by by the power of sin satan didn't know what he had done and all his mocking and crown of thorns not realizing symbolically what he was doing his great curse was being carried away the curse that had been put on humanity would be no more The tables have been completely turned. This ram, this lamb isn't trapped. No, 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 no. But now sin is trapped. Now sin is cursed. Now sin is defeated. Now sin can be overcome. Oh, before you couldn't, you couldn't come in under a woolly lamb and be set free, only covered. But now there's freedom for a child of God. Now there's victory. Now there's a new nature that can come into you. This lamb took those thorns to Calvary and crushed his sin's curse. And now through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, and then the return of the Holy Ghost on the day of Pentecost, now man has the power to subdue once again the nature that has been ruling over him. So now nature no longer is going to rule over me. They tried to live right. They tried to do right. They couldn't do it. Sin, nature had control. But now because of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, now the nature that once ruled over me, the nature that once ruled over you, now I rule over the nature. I rule over sin's curse. I am victorious. I walk in victory. I walk in freedom.
1: I overcome.
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now there is a place on the inside of man that he can operate from in order to bring forth fruit. You couldn't bring it forth out of the cursed ground, but now there's a place to bring forth fruit. Not since Genesis 1:28 has man been in the position to subdue nature. He says, and God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And now, down through time, back in that position once again. So what happens when you're saved and you receive the Spirit of God? It takes a part of you back away from sin nature. It had a claim on it. And nature, along with anybody or anything else, don't like to let go of a claim. But now you're filled with the Spirit, and so a part of this nature, a lot of it is still cursed. A lot of it is still sin nature, but there's a part of me that he has reached down inside of, and he's ripped that away, and he's put himself in there. And that sin nature has no right there. That sin nature can't control that. As a matter of fact, from that place, I now control it. It takes a part of you back from fallen nature, and now your soul is ruled by the spirit. A part of you is now beyond the control of the flesh, and that part actually begins to rule over the flesh. And when we're filled with the spirit, we get in behind the wall of the word, and we stay behind the wall of the word, and behind that wall, we are safe. Behind that wall, nothing can hurt us. Behind that wall, we produce fruits. Sin nature once again being ruled. There was a time when sin nature would rise up, Brother Joe, and as try as you might, you couldn't withstand it. Try as I might, I couldn't withstand it. I would say, I'm not going to do those things. I'm not going to look on evil. I'm not going to go that way, and sin nature would rise up, no matter how hard I fought, I would fall. But now when it tries to rise up, there's something within me that puts it down. Now when it puts sin in front of my face, there's something within me that turns my head. I don't have to fight it. I don't have to try. I don't go, you know, I shouldn't look at that. No, that was sin nature. Now something within me says, no, sir, that right there is a gate to hell. That right there is deceit. That right there is a lie. I'm not going that way. Now something rises up on the inside of me. There's something that gives me power over sin nature. When temptation comes in, temptation will come how many times do we deal that with with young people and they feel so guilty because they've been tempted there's no guilt in temptation let the devil tempt let the devil tempt let the devil tempt i'm gonna keep walking i'm gonna keep overcoming i'm gonna keep being victorious he can scratch he can claw he can bark he can howl you know why he's howling because we got the devil's answer oh there's something on the inside of me that overcomes temptation now let's balance that out don't build your house on the cliff and then blame the devil when it falls off don't be like them I don't want to call anybody stupid but them stupid people bless their hearts (laughs) that built all their houses on the wrong side of the levee in Bossier Parish because it hadn't flooded in a hundred years and like three years later, the whole thing flooded and the whole thing's underwater. I'm like, we can't believe. I'm like, they built a levee there for a reason. Stupid. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be saying that. But we did. God puts things in your way, and if you willingly go around them, don't get mad at him or the devil when you thought the devil didn't do it. You did it. Matter of fact, if you're constantly setting yourself up for temptation intentionally or accidentally, I didn't know when I clicked on that site that down at the bottom of the page after I scrolled seventy two times that I was gonna find that. Yeah, you did. And those accidents are a pretty no, not a pretty good are an evidence that you don't have what you claim to have. I don't take anything away from people and what they claim to have. I don't de-Christianize people, but you buy your fruits. Young person, I'm not saying put it off, but you got some meetings coming up this weekend, and you know if you're really where you need to be or not. You have an opportunity tonight, but I'm just talking, do I know how young people think? You're fixing me in some powerful meetings this weekend. You're going to have every opportunity to make it right. Don't go there and act like you're OK. Go there and get real. Go there and pour you. Listen. look, I'm, I'm not a, a, a current events preacher, but let me tell you what current events are pretty um, important right now. It is evident where we're at. We're not in the end times, church. We are at the end of the end times. We are at the moment of crossing over. We're at the blending of time and eternity. We are there. It is not to, it is time to make your calling and election sure it is time to make sure you're overcoming if you're walking around saying i got it i got it i got it but your attitude's distorted your appetite's distorted you argue with mom and dad all the time you can't get along with nobody you are meaner than a buzzsaw, you're rude to everybody you ain't got it but i ain't gonna leave you there you can have it it's for you it's there for you listen let me tell you something and i know i'm speaking to the young people right now but i find it very important to tell young people this so many times we preach the token the token the token and we should and you gotta have it and we preach the baptism of the holy ghost the baptism of the Holy ghost and we should you gotta have it make sure you understand where i stand on that but i want to tell you that i appreciate how far you've come if you're at justification hey I'm proud that you're at justification, but I'm telling you tonight, take another step. Yeah, if you've been sanctified, I'm proud you made it that far, but I'm telling you tonight, you gotta take another step. I'm proud that you're in this fight. It's the greatest fight that's ever been. You're facing things I never had to face. So I'm not putting you down. I'm telling you, you can make it. I'm not taking away what you got. I'm telling you, there's more. I'm not telling you what you've done. It's amazing. I'm telling you, you can have it all. You can have overcoming power. You can live victorious. It doesn't have to be a struggle. You can have it all. Take it. Claim it. Live it. Rapture. Hallelujah. What a power. Whereas before you couldn't, now you can. Whereas before you would fall, now you stand. There's something in you that's doing it. A place within you has returned to a condition of power. An Eden on the inside of cursed earth. But now, the reality of it. The cursed earth... All around that, Eden wants to take it over. The cursed earth wants to subdue it. The cursed earth wants you to back off what you've claimed. The cursed earth wants you to give back over to the desires of the flesh. But just like Adam was told, I'm telling you, don't give in. Expand your dominion. Take more of your dominion claim more of the promises walk more in victory than you ever have before overcome the world you can expand your dominion tonight you can walk in victory and bring forth fruit colossians 1 10 says that you might walk worthy of the lord unto all pleasing being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of god strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long-suffering with joyfulness brother brown says and the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace long-suffering goodness gentleness patience meekness temperance fruits of the spirit god knows today that what the holiness people need and also the Calvinists, all of them needs today is more fruit of the spirit more lives to prove it We've had many testimonies, but as the old saying is, your life speaks so loud, I can't hear your voice. We are written epistles of God, read of all men. So here we are, the people of God, called and chosen to be fruitful. And I'm believing, saved, sanctified, justified. Let's get them in order. Justified, sanctified. And filled with the Holy Ghost. I want to believe that for everyone in this building and here we are and yet even in that condition you can go through dry times you can go through times where you let your guard down a little bit we find ourselves In a situation when you would do those things like Brother Brownham was speaking to those at the very beginning, God bless you in the balcony. If somebody up in the balcony would say, Brother Brownham, I once had the victory. I once was a godly person, but somehow weeds and thorns and things has choked me down. Now listen, let's keep it in line with what we've been preaching. I'm not talking about going back into the world. I'm not talking about sinning. Okay? I'm not talking about living a life of sin. I'm talking about someone who finds that they don't have the victory quite like they once had. I'm talking about that somebody who finds that their joy just isn't quite as full as it once was. Maybe little things are nagging at your life. Something is choking down the harvest so you just aren't bringing forth the harvest like you know the word says you can. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. It doesn't take sinful things to rob you. Remember that as a matter of fact, the, the, the scripture, uh, very specifically says that the seeds were choked out by the cares of life It doesn't take sinful things to rob you uh, of the harvest that god wants you to have of the fruits that he wants you to bear But regardless of why Regardless of the reason if you find yourself in this place where you just aren't progressing forward I want to ask you a question How up to date is your experience? When is the last time that you actually took another step with God? Notice, I'm not saying you backed up. But when's the last time you took another step? That you progressed farther? Listen, Brother Tim did an amazing job on Sunday dealing with how our experiences are not just a one and done. That we go from glory to glory, that we have refillings, and that experiences build upon experiences, and, and that you must keep moving, and that you must experience more of God. That you don't serve God on a memory. We don't serve God on what happened. Last service was amazing, but what about tonight? Last year's Oklahoma camp was amazing, but what about this one coming up? God, what about right now? If you have come into dry places in your life, what I'm offering you tonight is a fresh drink. Because the Holy Ghost is a gusher and it's welling up and it's there for you. You just got to stop. You just got to take time and you got to take another drink. And don't let a day go by that you don't take a drink. Don't let a day go by that you don't stop in fellowship with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. Because that keeps you fresh. That keeps you anointed. It keeps you full of power. It gives you the ability to overcome the way that you need to overcome. Our experiences with God are not a one-time thing. He calls you to many different levels. He calls you to more of himself. So tonight I'm telling you, press forward, take another step. Now listen, I know some of you are thinking, but I thought once you're filled with, yes, once you're filled with the Holy Ghost and you have that experience, the upper room experience like they did in the book of Acts, you are sealed until the day of redemption. But we got many here that are seeking for just that. And I'm telling you, many times they come up and they realize they don't have it. And so the devil will point to the last thing that happened to them and says, that wasn't nothing. No, sir, if you had a real experience, there's a real experience. Build on it. Build on that experience Don't throw that experience away You recognize you need more Drive another stake down tonight And if you need more Sunday Drive another stake down And drive another stake down Until you get what it is you're seeking for But don't throw away the things God has done for you Don't let the devil belittle what happened to you Last time you came down for prayer Oh you didn't get nothing He's just telling you that Because he's scared of what you got And he's scared of what you're going to get Don't let him rob you of what God has done for you already Seek for more. Yeah. Walk to another milestone. Because listen, if you're always walking forward, you will never point backward to what you were as being something greater than what you are. The only time, if you're always walking with God, the only time you'll ever point back is say, I used to be that, but God has brought me here. The devil used to have me, but he don't have me no more. The devil held me bondage, but now I'm free. You'll never go. I used to be in a better place. Because if that's the case, you are backslidden. But if you're walking with God and you're feeding on the word anytime, you will never point backwards to something that was greater than what you have right now. If God did something wonderful for you, don't stop right there. Feed it. Yes. Feed what God did for you. Grow from it. Get more tomorrow. Seek more tomorrow. Yes. How many times have I seen mighty deliverances? I can think specifically of one where me and Brother Tim were praying for a sister at youth camp. I can think of several with me and Brother Joe. Mighty deliverances or, or the Holy Spirit falling upon somebody. Somebody or seen discernment directly deal with a person's life in ways that would blow your mind. And within months, or a year, or a few years, or whatever it is, they're right back in the condition they were before that experience. Oh, Brother Aaron, that must not have been a real experience. No, no, it was very real. It was a very real experience, but the problem was, they thought that was the end when it was the beginning. They thought, I've arrived when they were just starting their journey. And there was no hunger to feed it and make it grow. There was no hunger to progress into it. There must be a hunger for more. One of the greatest signs I know of, of a solid experience, is an intense desire for more of what you got. Brother Brandon would say, now... I'll give you my estimation of what I think that the closest thing to an evidence that a man is a Christian than anything I know of. You know what it is? It's travail of soul, a person that's always so hungering and thirsting for God. They just simply day and night, they just can't stand it. They got to do something for God. There is a hunger. There is a burning desire for more. I gotta have more of it because if you don't have a desire for more of it, I wonder if you ever tasted it. Because once you taste it, you're gonna want more of it. You can't stop getting more of it. When you have an experience with God, moving deeper into this, when you reclaim a portion of that fallen nature and you begin to subdue it, That's when the battle begins Because nature always tries to take back What it is that it lost Listen a person with the Holy Ghost Isn't going to go out and commit adultery A person with the Holy Ghost Won't go seek out pornography They won't go out and willfully sin But don't think there ain't going to be traps for you Don't think there's not going to be attacks on you Don't think that there's not going to be your weak uh, weak spots That are probed at Don't think that temptations aren't going to come at you stronger than ever. This is why you must have an up-to-date and fresh experience. Because you have to have the strength to push through those things when those things come at you. That's why you have to keep subduing and keep pushing and keep expanding your territory and growing larger and pushing the borders back and pushing the evil back. Why would I want to live inside this little circle of freedom where I can't take a step that way and I can't take a step that way because that's all the freedom I got. No, but I want to take the sword and I want to expand my borders this way and expand my borders that way and expand them in every direction so I can have freedom so I can live in a godly atmosphere. You got to keep pushing, keep progressing, keep subduing. Because the minute you sit down, the minute you relax, the moment you take a break, Gardeners, gardeners will know what I'm talking about. Weeds, thorns, thistles, and the hunger of nature begins to creep in. What do you mean by the hunger of nature, Brother Aaron? What do you mean that nature always tries to reclaim what is taken from it? Do you have those pictures from me? I just thought I'd bring a visual aid tonight. It's an escalator inside of a mall where used to there was life, used to there was people, used to it had a purpose. There was people coming, there was people going. You would have walked in that, you would have never envisioned this but nature is always hungering to reclaim what was taken from it. It's always looking for an opportunity. Next one. Somebody used to live here. There was life, there was a family, there was thanksgivings, there was Christmases. Maybe grandbaby's feet ran across the floor for the first time. Now, it's reclaimed. Nature came in, the moment that it quit being taken care of. Next one, an entire village in China that was abandoned, reclaimed. You can go to the next one. Another picture of that same village. You can clear a spot in the woods, You can cut down all the trees. You can clear you a nice yard there. You can build a home. You can plant a nice garden. And that place can be so full of life. But you got to stay on top of it. Because nature is going to try to creep back in. This weed pops up and you deal with it. And this thorn pops up and you deal with it. And you run over here and you cut this one down. You run over here and you cut this one down. You spray the whole yard with Roundup and you think I got it. But two weeks later, boop. You can have wonderful grass planted, but try to go one year without fertilizing it. You can have a great experience, but go a long time without fertilizing it with the word. Fertilizing that experience with faith. And all of a sudden there's weeds trying to creep back in. Nature trying to take back what it was that was stole from it. The weed pops up and you deal with it. Tries to grow and you cut it down. But you stop taking care of it for one minute. Stop tending to it for one little bit. Stop caring for it the way you should. Stop subduing nature the way you did when you first got it. Stop praying as much as you used to. Stop reading your Bible as much as you used to. Stop playing sermons as much as you used to. And soon weeds begin to move in amongst your grass. Stop working the garden the way you used to. And keeping the weeds out the way you used to. And soon your harvest won't be what it used to be the harvest won't be what you're expecting the weeds and the thorns will take over because they will never stop trying, they will never stop pushing, they will never stop trying to crowd you in, but I'm telling you that's okay because a Holy Ghost filled Christian's never going to stop pushing back never going to stop feeding, never going to stop fighting, never going to stop overcoming we can't stop, there's something on the inside of us that won't let us stop some days I'm tired, some days I want to lay it down, but I can't lay it down I can't quit, there's a deep Call into the deep. Keep fighting. Keep pushing. Expand and subdue. You gotta stay on top of it because the weeds choke out life. By robbing the nutrients that were meant for the crops. By getting you tangled all up in complexes. They choke out your joy. They choke out your victory you got to chop the weeds back. you got to have the attitude of, I will subdue more. Look, I've got this parcel, but I want more joy, so I'm going to take it. I've got this parcel, but I want more peace, so I'm going to take it. I need victory over this thing that keeps hindering my life, so I'm going to go out and I'm going to take it because now I have the power to subdue. I don't have to live with my problems. I don't have to live with these complexes. I don't have to live with fear. I don't have to live with these things because I've been given the power to subdue those things. I'm called to be a fruitful Christian, so now I'm going to subdue pride. I'm going to subdue selfishness. I'm going to subdue the things that keep me out of the house of God. I'm going to subdue those things. I'm going to subdue my anger. I'm going to subdue my temper because I'm called to be a fruitful Christian. And yet nature hungers and flesh hungers, but the spirit on the inside also hungers. And as long as that's what you feed, it will be victorious. The spirit man will continually subdue the flesh man. And that's why experiences, once again, must be up to date. And they cannot be stagnant. Because when it's stagnant, that's when weeds grow. When it's stagnant, that's when thorns grow. Listen, you can't feed natural man all the time and then wonder where your spiritual harvest is. You sprinkle in these movies and sprinkle in this and sprinkle in a little bit of that. And then you go, where'd the weeds come from? You planted them. You literally took a handful from the evil sower and went, I'll take a little bit of that. And you threw it in your own garden. And you wonder, where would it come from? We're going to do our best to bring this down. Maybe you've been noticing that the harvest hasn't been as plenty. Maybe the joy isn't there like it once was. The self-control, the patience, the kindness. It's time to start examining your patch of ground. Have you been tending your life the way you used to when you first fell in love with Jesus? Checking it up all the time. That joy was there and you were checking to make sure, am I doing everything right? Am I doing everything? Sometimes we look at that and go, yeah, that's the sign of an immature Christian. That's the sign of somebody that's deeply in love and they want to please the Father. Am I doing everything right? Is it lining up with the word? Is this how I'm supposed to be? Are you checking up? Are you watching vigilantly over the fruit, making sure no weeds are coming into your rows, making sure that there's nothing there robbing the life from your harvest? It's time to start searching for the cause of your harvest being down. It's like them big green horn tomato worms. You go out there and all of a sudden your plants eat up. You don't go, bad luck better luck next time. No, you find the worm. You search for it. You look for it. Then you find it. Then you kill it. You don't pick it up and go, oh, cute little worm. It probably won't hurt this plant. Let me move it over here. That's how we always, oh, my temper got me again. Let me just move it to next week. Maybe it won't hurt me next week. Yeah, it will. It'll eat that plant. It'll eat the joy there. and It'll eat the harvest there. And it'll keep robbing and keep robbing and keep robbing until you find that thing and go, yep, there he is. There's the problem. Boom. Boom. Squash him. Problem dealt with. Problem solved. Now I can walk in victory. Now I can have joy because my plant ain't getting eaten up. My harvest ain't getting eaten up because I dealt with the problem. We got to start dealing with the issues. There's something robbing you of your harvest why do i not yield fruit like i should what is it that we found that chokes the life out of it thorns thistles cursed earth which is your flesh brother brown says what we need is an old-fashioned scoring out digging out get those weeds out the patch so the corn can grow Jesus is coming, all right. That's what we need. Back to the old hewing line again. Back to the way. God will come among us. Sometimes we have to go through terrible chastisement, chastening of the Lord, many things to correct us, that we'll be fruit-bearing Christians. Sometimes he has to prune us, cut off, take away, take out of our hands. We think sometimes, oh, God, what are you doing to us? But he knows what he's doing. So we pray, Father, that today you will prune every one of us from the least to the greatest, to the least to the greatest, pastor. God, we pray that you'll prune every one of us. Take away all that's unlike you, Father. Take away the thing that's hindering us from being fruit-bearing Christians. God does not look kindly on things that are supposed to bear fruit, but don't. How do you know well, if you could, I'd say ask the fig tree. That's right. yes, Amen. It says and when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, but leaves only, and said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever. And presently the fig tree writhered away. Why? Because he
1: expected
0: fruit. He's expecting fruit. Don't get caught with the master coming by and finding the field overgrown. Don't get ma- uh, caught with the master coming by and finding the wall torn down. Seeing that nature has taken the fruit away. Back to our opening scripture, Proverbs twenty four thirty one. And actually, what's happening here is Solomon is out for a walk. That man didn't know the king was going to come by his place that day. He didn't know the king was walking down the road. And lo, it was all grown over, verse 31, with thorns and nettles had covered the face thereof, and the stone wall thereof was broken down. Then I saw and considered it well. I looked upon it and received instruction. Listen, as Solomon strolls by, like I said, that man had no idea that that day was his day of visitation. You don't know when the king's coming. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. Mark 13:33, "Take ye heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is. But when the king comes by all, he finds are symptoms of the curse. Thistles, thorns, things I died to give them power over gave my life so I wouldn't find this. I gave my life and sent back my Holy Spirit that they would bear fruit. Amen. That they would be protected behind the word. That they would stand there and have a shield. That they would put on the breastplate of righteousness. I gave them armor. I gave them things to keep this from happening. He finds fallen nature reclaiming a field he finds the wall of protection broken down. Even if the field had been growing a crop, the wild beast would have devoured it at all because the wall had been left unattended to. And Solomon makes the statement, I received instruction. And what he means right there is, I knew all I needed to know about that person's life. That's right. I looked at it, yep. he said, and I received instruction. And then he goes on to say how, and I'm paraphrasing, Put that scripture up for me so I don't have to paraphrase it. (laughs) Then I saw and considered it well and looked upon it and received instruction. Next. Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep. In other words, you didn't deal with things. You just laid around. You laid in bed. You didn't deal with it. Yeah, that that wall needs to be built back up. Yeah. I need to go get some of those weeds out. eh. But you know what? A little sleep next so thy poverty come as one that travaileth and thy want as an armed man you're gonna be found without a harvest you're gonna be found wanting and it's coming upon you quickly because you didn't deal with things how's your harvest evening like tabernacle is your life yielding the fruits of the spirit if the king walks by today how will he find your wall of defense How will he find the harvest i say it's in time it's time that we go inspect our rows i say that it's time that we go inspect our field to make sure there ain't no creepers coming in and choking out the life it's time to take the sword of the word and and cut back the weeds and cut back the thorns and cut back the thistles and i say it's not too late to do so It's time to subdue the land that you once had i'm not saying you've given it all back But what i'm saying is you woke up one day and realized something's crept in here something's crept in there I don't have as much joy as I used to have and I don't want the king to find my field in this condition I I don't want the king to see my wall in this condition I want to do something about it. it's not too late, but now is the time Now is the time to do it now is the time to drive the enemy from the field proverbs 25 and 28 says he that hath no rule over his own spirit we're just bringing this now. It end with the wall and the fruits of the spirit because what this is speaking of is temperance self-control he that hath no rule over his own spirit is like a city that is broken down and without walls when the walls are broken down all that is good goes out and all that is evil breaks in now is the time, now is the moment to inspect your walls. Inspect the walls. Make sure they're strong. Brother Aaron, a couple weeks ago you preached on tear down the walls. That was different. That was man-made walls. I'm talking about the walls that God has given you, providing you protection in this day. Inspect the walls. A wall that is functioning according to its purpose will completely surround the area it is intended to Protect. And it will establish the boundaries of separation that fallen nature is out there but on this side of the wall on this side of the wall is an Eden condition i'm keeping cursed nature out i'm keeping the power of the flesh out but from here i rule my flesh but from here i'm in control right here i have the power to operate and i'm keeping the wall built up because i'm not going out and i'm not letting it come in the wall of protection and behind that wall you can have your harvest how is the wall tonight around your soul how is the wall that you've built around your children how is the wall around your home tonight i say let's build it back tonight i say we start tonight building it back and when you go to do it the devil's not going to make it easy on you he's going to bring all kind of condemnation and things and, and tell you what you're doing is, is futile and it's not going to work Because anytime you begin to look and take an honest inventory and an honest assessment of where you are It will always stir up the devil Anytime you begin to truly look inward and take an assessment and see where am I at? The devil doesn't like that The devil doesn't like you to take honest assessment. He wants you to be comfortable right where you are He doesn't want you to rebuild the wall or push back the weeds because that hole in the wall is his access to your victory so he doesn't want it fixed and we're going to close here with nehemiah because nehemiah goes back to build back the wall around jerusalem he weeps when he finds out that it's torn down because there's no defense and the people are easy praise nehemiah 219 and we're going to read some of this but when sanballat The Horonite and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem, the Arabian, heard it. They laughed us to scorn. Notice none of these were Israelites. They laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, what is this thing that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, the God of heaven, he will prosper us. And therefore we, his servants, will arise and build. But ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem notice the mocking and the jeering and they try to mock your progress what are you really trying to do even in like tabernacle do you really think that stone you just put up on top of that other stone is going to provide you any protection they act as if it's all that nothing has actually ever happened to you it's all in your imagination but all the while what it is is they see a wall going up Oh, they're telling you, oh, that's not doing nothing. Oh, that's not doing nothing. But all the time they're seeing stone upon stone and stone next to stone and stone next to stone. And so they're trying to get you to stop because they are seeing what it is you're accomplishing. And they know it will keep them out. Yes. Of course, the devil is going to try to talk you out of building up your wall tonight. That's what's going to keep him out of your victory. I love how he tells them. He will prosper us, therefore we his servants will arise and build, but ye have no portion, nor right, nor memorial in Jerusalem. He says, This is gonna keep you out, and that's how it should be, because you don't even belong here. Satan, you don't belong in here. This was ripped away from you. This was cursed earth, but now it's Eden on the inside of me. It's a place I operate from in power. You can't come in here. Amen. You have no memorial here. You have no right here. This was stripped from you that day on Calvary. Oh, the beasts don't like to see the garden wall repaired. They don't like to see it because they're used to robbing that. But that's not their portion. That's for you. That's yours. That's your inheritance. That's your harvest. Of course they don't like it. Wall them out. Young people, when you start building up, the devil's going to say, you hadn't done nothing. You really didn't get anything. Look at all the rest of that wall that's torn down. Look at all that. Listen, every victory matters. Every experience matters. They were real. The devil just hates to see stones going up. He hates to see stones going up. Chapter 4, verse 1, But it came to pass that when Samballot heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth. And took great indignation and mocked the Jews And he spake before his brethren in the army of Samaria And said what do these feeble Jews Will they fortify themselves will they sacrifice will they make an end in a day Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him and he said Even that that they built if a fox go up He shall even break down their stone wall You think that's gonna keep an army out? If a fox runs into that, it's gonna knock it over. And he's mocking you the whole time, trying to get you to see it through that testimony. Because in the reality of it, they know they're closing us out. I've had free access to that harvest for years. I've been taking that away from Shamgar for years. I've been robbing him for years, but now he's building a wall. He's building a wall, and now I'm gonna be locked out. I'm gonna be kept out. I will not be able to rob his victory anymore. Verse seven. But it came to pass that when Sanballat and Tobiah and the Arabians and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were made up and that the breaches began to be stopped, then they were very wroth and conspired all of them together to come and to fight against Jerusalem and hinder it. Evening light like tabernacle. They're gathering their forces to fight against you. Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto God and we set a watch against them day and night because of them. And judah said the strength of the bearers of burdens is decayed and there is much rubbish So that we are not able to build the wall and our adversaries said they shall not know neither see till We come in the midst of them and slay them and cause the work to cease And it came to pass that when the jews which dwelt by them came They said unto us ten times from all places which you shall return unto us. They will be upon you They're about to be upon you even like tabernacle as you're trying to rebuild the wall. What are we going to do? WHAT ARE WE GOING TO DO ABOUT IT? ARE WE GOING TO QUIT BUILDING THE WALL? ARE WE GOING TO GIVE UP ON THE HARVEST? WE'RE CALLED TO BE FRUIT BEARERS. WE GOT TO PROTECT THE HARVEST. WHAT IS IT WE'RE GOING TO DO? Therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall and on the higher places. I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and rose up and said unto the nobles, unto the rulers, and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible, and fight for your brethren, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, fight for your houses. Even like tabernacle, fight for one another, fight for your children. Pull your sword get on the wall fight for me I'll fight for you fight for your wife fight for your friends fight 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 press the battle subdue it subdue it it's yours you are called to be fruitful fight you're called to be fruitful built. The enemy will be kept out of the harvest. I will have my joy. I will have my peace. I will have my patience. I will have all that I'm called to have. And I will build a wall around my family and they will have it too. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. I say fight like never before. Fight like never before. You can stay on your feet, musicians, come. Don't let your fruits be robbed any longer. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Joy, long-suffering, meekness, love, patience, kindness, gentleness, and faith. Brother Branham says, does that accompany your life? Don't be deceived. We're at the end of the road, friends. This might be the last time you get a chance to check up. Better do it. He says, God expects fruits. Don't give up. So there's a big green tomato worm somewhere in there. Don't let him have it. Find it. Deal with it. Subdue. For the first time, there's a people on the earth with the power to subdue. God bless you, church.